again, everyone, and welcome to the Wild Idaho Podcast, brought to you by the Idaho Conservation League. The Idaho Conservation League is Idaho's leading voice for conservation, protecting the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the land you love. This podcast is the place to find your community, get inspired to take action for the Idaho you love, and hear stories from real people who are making a difference to our amazing state of Idaho. Welcome to the Wild Idaho Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Hopkins, and I'm really glad you can be here to join us. Folks who know about the Idaho Conservation League know that we love our public lands. If I was to ask most of our supporters what it is ICL does to protect their public lands, a lot of people would respond with working on wilderness designations. That's a big part of what we do, but it's not all that we do. And that's what this episode is going to be all about. I want to bring you guys up to speed on all the work that ICL does for wilderness areas post-designation. After we've done the big lift and gotten a place fully protected by an act of Congress, what's all the work that still needs to go on behind the scenes? Now, before I jump into the details, I want to provide a little bit of background in case folks aren't familiar with what I mean when I say wilderness. A wilderness area is an area of land that's been protected by Congress under the Wilderness Act of 1964. If you read the act, it says that the point of a wilderness system is to assure that an increasing population accompanied by expanding settlement and growing mechanization does not occupy and modify all areas within the United States and its possessions, leaving no lands designated for preservation and protection in their natural condition. According to the Wilderness Act, a wilderness area is defined as follows. A wilderness, in contrast with those areas where man and his works dominate the landscape, is hereby recognized as an area where the earth and its community of life are untrammeled by man, where man himself is a visitor who does not remain. That's some pretty powerful language, and it basically lays out that men and women who visit wilderness areas are only visitors. We're not there to make an impact, and we're not there to leave an impact. We're simply there to enjoy the beautiful scenery and the magnificence of these special places. Now, despite those pretty clear intentions laid out in the Wilderness Act, I think you're going to be surprised to hear the sorts of things that people who work in these areas have to deal with on a daily basis. We actually have an award for somebody who finds the weirdest thing. And you're like, really? Like, why would somebody hike that in or horse pack that in? Like, why would you bring that? But you just never know what somebody's going to bring in. That's Betsy Mizell. Not only is she ICL's Community Engagement Associate in the Wood River Valley, she also started the Wilderness Stewards Program that helps to protect the areas of the Sawtooth and the Boulder White Clouds. I sat down with Betsy to do an interview to learn about why she created the Wilderness Stewards Program, how it's been working with both the stewards and working with the Forest Service, and where she sees the program heading into the future. Here's Betsy talking about the origins of the Wilderness Stewards Program. Six months after the White Clouds and Boulders were designated, ICL had the opportunity to shake our hands and be like, all right, we're done, peace, we're out, have fun guys, at least it's designated. But instead, ICL stepped up to the plate and decided to create a partnership with the Forest Service and figure out a way to engage folks in who are already outside recreating in these areas, but to recreate responsibly and also to give back to the area. And what was really amazing out of this was when we originally started this idea or we're planning it, we're like, okay, we're going to cap this at 15 people. That's it, we're not doing any more, and probably we're not gonna even have that much interest. Like people, maybe people don't care that much. And what came out of it was we had 30 people apply, and it was unbelievable. 
And it was it was pretty, you know, inspiring to see that this many people care about protecting a place beyond designation. They want to stay involved. They want to give back to the lands that they play on and they love. And that's kind of where the story started was these 30 people going out and enjoying these areas on their free time and helping pack out trash, clean up fire rings, make contacts with other trail users, talk about leave no trace, talk about the importance of protecting our public lands. And from there, it's been history. Nice. And how many years has that's two years now? Yeah, so it's now a pro, it's, we're in our second year. This okay. Year. Uh, same group of people or like different? Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the same folks and then a whole bunch of like new folks this year. And what's really unique is the folks that are involved in this program are not just from the Wood River Valley. They're from Idaho Falls, Twin Falls, Clayton, Idaho, mm. uh, Stanley, Boise. Uh, let's see where else. Um, all over the place. And then obviously a good amount of folks who live in the Wood River Valley. But that's pretty, it's pretty amazing to see that people are coming from all over southern, eastern, central Idaho okay. to come and recreate here and then give back as well. What Do you have any idea what the Forest Service thinks about this? Like, are they stoked? Or are they like, oh, those pesky stewards? Or <laughs> Yeah, it's been so great, you know, to have a partnership with the Forest Service. There's some really great folks that are working on the forest right now. And the partnership we've developed is just amazing. But what's also amazing is they are just blown away that this many people wanted to give back. Nice. And they are running into a lot of issues with, you know, staffing and budgets. And this is the only way they're able to continue to look after the areas they want to be able to. And so, for example, is last year during <clears throat> there's there was a uh, four wilderness rangers who were on the Sawtooth National Forest and they were a lot of them were focused in the boulders and the white clouds the sawtooths didn't get much use or get didn't get to see didn't get seen very much by the rangers that's because we were working on the draft management plan and they were trying to you know get a lot of you know boots on the ground inventory the areas see what's going on and so if we didn't have the stewards going into the sawtooth wilderness that area totally would have gone unseen oh, last wow. summer that's awesome mm-hmm now there's some pretty there's already you're two years in and there's some pretty famous stories that the stewards have come across you mentioned kicking over fire rings and uh you know picking up trash could you tell us i'm particularly interested in the barbecue story walk (laughs) walk us through what happened there so it's you know it's really amazing and i remember hearing this from the rangers as we started this the first year they talked about the weirdest things you're going to find in the wilderness and last year I don't remember exactly what it was last year, but this year, so far, and we're in September, so the program ends in November, so we still have some time, but one of the stewards in July came across probably a six-foot barbecue grill, like a fancy one, like a $1,000-plus grill, a eight-person table, wooden table with chairs, candelabras, uh, vases, all sorts of things. And they came across this by a tree. Like it was just hanging out behind a tree by Farley Lake. And it had tarps over it. And the steward saw like this blue tarp. And she was like, I wonder what that is. So she went and checked it out. And lo and behold, she found this grill and all of these crazy things. She came back that night and wrote everybody an email being like, hey, I think I found something weird in the wilderness. Like that was the title or the subject of the email. 
And we found, we all came to work on Monday and we're like, something weird in the wilderness. What's this? Oh my goodness. There's, what is this? Like, it was a full on like party that somebody had flown in. Like it had to be flown in by helicopter. Wow. So, you know, that's what people are thinking right now is that it was flown in. But yeah, it's, um, it was pretty interesting. But I think it just shows how lucky we are to have people, these boots on the ground, inventorying these areas and looking after them. Because that might have gone unseen for a little bit longer. Nice. Um, I wanted to, to get back to a little bit to, I mean, the stewards program has been great and it seems to be extremely successful. You also mentioned the, the draft management plan. What, what exactly is a management plan and like, what is that, what is your role in that as, a, as an advocacy group? How do you work on that, I guess? Mm-hmm. So basically, right after the White Clouds was designated, I believe it was, they had five year, three to five years, that part I don't remember exactly, but there's a certain amount of time that's been given to create a plan to manage the wilderness area. Okay. And so over the past couple of years, the forest has been working on putting a plan out. And so last, I believe it was last December, they put a draft management plan out. And that plan goes over how they're going to manage the area. And it talks about if they'll allow fire rings, group size, horse size, horse pack size, um, other things like noxious weeds, flying over the wilderness, all sorts of things, management of wildfire, mining, everything's kind of, it's like a huge document. Okay. And everything kind of goes into it, and that overviews how you manage the area. So ICL's role in that is to, you know, look at the document and see like, okay, like what, what are we looking at here? What what are, how is this area going to be man, managed? And what do we think could be better? Or like, oh, this is really great. This is something we truly think is awesome. Let's continue this. Support it. And so it was really great that we were going through this, but also that we had a steward program because we were able to take the information that the stewards were gathering throughout that summer and use it in our comments, hmm. which was really amazing. And what was also really amazing is the steward program, and I like how somebody says this, they saw it like sincere form of advocacy. Like you have people on the ground who are caring, but how do you move that role into advocacy? So we also were able to invite all the stewards to a comment writing workshop so they could put their insights into their own comments and see how they wanted that draft management plan to form. So it's really neat to see, you know, like ICL has their comments, but then also like helping the community write comments and be involved in this process because this is all our public lands. This is all like, this is ours. So we have the voice and the choice to figure out how we want to see it managed. Nice. That's great. Yeah. Super cool. Um, you know, I, if someone is listening to this and they're like, I want to be a steward, where do they go? How do they find out more information? Mm -hmm. So you can go onto the Idaho Conservation League website. We have a little, um, blurb about it on how to get involved. And basically, the way it works is in the spring, probably around March or April, you'll see information about it popping up. And there's information sessions that will be held on just like general information. But an easy way, you can just call our office or you could send me an email. Cool. And that's uh, bmizel at idahoconservation.org? Correct. Nice. Yeah. And we're encouraged. You know, we made the joke that everybody should be a steward. But, you know, it's it's... If you're going outside, you know, it doesn't hurt to just have those extra eyes and ears out there. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, that's awesome. Any, anything, anything else you want to get in on a, an episode on wilderness post-designation? 
No, I think we're pretty lucky, you know, living in Idaho. I know I know there's a reason why I live in Idaho and it's big part is our public lands nice. and being able to play outside. So it's all our jobs to be able to protect those places and preserve them for the future. Nice. So I encourage people who are playing outside to do the same. The Wilderness Stewards program has been a huge success. And I know ICL, especially Betsy, is extremely thankful to all the stewards that have volunteered their free time to go out and help clean up some of the wilderness areas. There is something though that we can all be doing all across the state every time we go out uh, and enjoy the beautiful outdoors. And that's practice leave no trace principles. Now I'm sure when I say that everyone is thinking, oh yeah, I always practice leave no trace. And that's great. But there's actually six core principles that go into leave no trace. I personally didn't know this until I attended an official leave no trace training a couple weeks ago. A handful of ICL staff got to attend this with me and we all learned quite a bit. In an effort to kind of bring our training to you guys, I interviewed our two trainers. Here's Aaron and Danielle, our Leave No Trace trainers, talking about what the program is and why it's so important. My name is Aaron Hussman. My name is Danielle Stevens. And we are Subaru Leave No Trace traveling trainers for the Leave No Trace Center for Outdoor Ethics. Um, so Leave No Trace is a nationwide member-driven nonprofit that protects our outdoor spaces by teaching people how to enjoy them ethically and responsibly. Uh, yeah, so the whole idea is that when we go out on public lands, we can do a lot of damage just by recreating. Um, so maybe we don't know the right way to recreate outside. Um, you know, if we're not pooping far enough away from water, we can um, impact water sources and rivers. Um, you know, if we're building a campfire, maybe we don't put it out all the way, we can cause wildfires. Um, definitely thinking about wildlife in general, we want to make sure we stay a safe distance away from wildlife and always storing our food away from them. So Leave No Trace really is trying to help educate people um, about the outdoors and the environments, um, you know, that are out here so that we can help people protect it. Um, and I think one of the, you know, one of the most important things for wilderness areas and for public lands across the country, um, one of the most important things people can do right now to help protect these places is to practice Leave No Trace when you visit them. Um, so post-designation, when you go to visit these wilderness areas by practicing the seven principles of Leave No Trace, learning about those and then taking them into practice, um, that mitigates a lot of impacts we have when we go outside and that will help land managers and, and local uh, nonprofits like ICL really take care of these places in the long run um, if everyone does their part to minimize their impact when they visit. Yeah, so it's a new wilderness now, but you know, thinking about the future, our kids and grandkids and you know, our future generations will be able to see this place and taking care of it from the start really sets a great example of um, this is how we conduct ourselves in this area and how we want to see it be treated. Cool. And so if folks wanted to get involved, say they wanted to do leave no, or say they've heard about it and they want to learn more, how do they find out more about what you guys do? Yeah, there's a couple ways to get involved. Um, the first way is to just hop on our website, lnt.org, and learn a little bit about the organization. We have a great online training. It takes about 30 minutes that you can just get your brief introductory kind of awareness about Leave No Trace. We also put on a whole host of trainings all across the country all the time. Um, we're out here training ICL staff to be Leave No Trace trainers, so you can contact ICL for a Leave No Trace training in the future, hopefully. Um, and the best thing that you can do with Leave No Trace besides practicing it is just pass it on to others as well. Um, and so that's, that comes from visiting the website, 
looking for trainings near you, getting trained, getting the education, and then getting involved in your community to pass it on. I'd say the, say the next one, if you're just looking for general information or more casual information, we're on all the social media channels. Okay. Um, our organization produces four videos a month that are educational about Leave No Trace. Um, some things you know you might not have heard of, maybe you have, and they're great to share and pass on just on social media. Um, and then Instagram, too. It's a great way to just be inspired and catch some tips while you're going through your feed. Cool. Well, thanks so much. Anything else you guys want to add? Or I think yeah. that was perfect. Yeah, I think the, the only thing that I would add is, you know, whether you're going on a 10-minute walk in the city park or a 10-day trip through a newly designated wilderness, you can practice Leave No Trace with any outdoor activity. So you don't have to be a ultra-athlete going on a wilderness trip, but you can practice Leave No Trace anytime you go outside. Cool. Good to know. Awesome. Cool. Thanks, Thank guys. You. A lot that goes into protecting wilderness areas. As you can tell from listening to this, that ranges from your personal choices, how you choose to recreate in the outdoors and adhering to leave no trace principles, all the way up to the work that ICL does with coordinating wilderness stewards, commenting on draft management plans, and getting folks outside to enjoy these beautiful places. Well, that concludes another episode of the Wild Idaho podcast. Really appreciate you guys listening in, and I hope you learned something new about all the work that goes into protecting a wilderness area. This podcast and all the work that we do wouldn't be possible without the support of our members. If you're a member, thank you so much for being one. And if you'd like to learn about how to become a member, check us out at idahoconservation.org. Since 1973, our members have helped us protect the air you breathe, the water you drink, and the land you love. I really appreciate everyone who chooses to listen to this podcast, and I hope you enjoy all the episodes we have in the future for you. Take care, and I'll see you next time.